0: My name is Jenna. You want to know my last name? Too bad. I don't give out my last name. No offense. I'm not trying to be difficult or cool. I'm just being careful. Here's the situation. Earth, our little blue and green planet, the one with the fluffy white clouds and all, is under attack. And if they find out who we are, this podcast will be over. this is Fandalites, the Hi. weekly podcast where Brent and I uh, read and review and talk about the intricacies of an Animorph book. This week is a Rachel POV called The Underground. While crashing a Planet Hollywood opening, the Animorphs saved the life of a suicide jumper. They soon learn that this man has been institutionalized for claiming an alien lives in his head. They break into the institute and discover a massive yurk weakness, instant maple ginger oatmeal, can replace candrona rays, but is highly addictive and drives the yurk insane, permanently lodging them in the controller's brain. After some discussion of the ethics of chemical warfare, they agree to return to the underground candrona pools and poison them. They manage to dig part of the way down as moles and then fly in as bats, where everything goes to hell. Half the team is captured while Rachel infiltrates the base, pretending to be a human controller. She discovers barrels of the contraband oatmeal and tosses them into the Kondrona pool in order to make their escape, exposing hundreds of yerks to the drug. So, uh, God, I don't even know where to start here, except that this book opens with a real big Planet Hollywood name check.
1: (laughs) Yeah, first Rainforest Cafe and now Planet Hollywood.
0: Yeah, my memory, I have no memories of ever attending a plan at Hollywood, uh, but for some reason they seem very skeezy to me.
1: Yeah, they're like a hard rock cafe, but for the film industry, so obviously skeezier. (laughs) Hmm.
0: So the fact that K.A. name drops so many actors isn't surprising, but you mentioned before we started recording that these were mostly like people who... Were created planet Hollywood,
1: yeah, Bruce Demi and uh Arnold were all early investors in Planet Hollywood.
0: That is so weird to me the The fact that even a small portion of Planet Hollywood might be legit is so
1: weird. <laughs> well if it helps, their casino slash mall in Vegas is very bad.
0: Uh, just, that does help.
1: Just super depressing. Yeah. <laughs> what what's depressing about it? I I don't know. I was very drunk when I was there. I got a tattoo.
0: <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> all right. But so it was really funny to see like all of these actors get name checked and maybe what the craziest part was is they're all like still pretty
1: relevant. Yeah. Honestly, the one that's mostly fallen off the radar is Lucy Lawless.
0: Really? Um, For me, it was Naomi Campbell.
1: Oh, see? She fell off the radar so hard, I didn't even remember her getting name-checked in the book.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Lucy, because Lucy Aulis is doing uh, Ash and the Evil Dead. Oh,
1: yeah, that's right. She is an Ash vs. Evil Dead. Man, I forgot about that.
0: Yeah, but yeah, they name-check, like, yeah, Bruce and Demi and John Goodman, who has made a comeback. It's just weird to see that compared to, uh, especially, like, most recent episode where they talk about the internet and every single thing <laughs> that they say is so wrong and old.
1: <laughs> I love that someone on Twitter's reaction uh, to Jake's description of logging on into AOL was, Jake, you fucking casual.
0: <laughs> As, uh, so just the fact that all of these actors are still, like working. It was weird.
1: Yeah. Um, I appreciate that that Marco's bid to get Jake to agree to let them morph and fly to the Planet Hollywood opening was so that Rachel could meet Lucy Lawless. Yeah. I mean, that would have
0: worked on me if I were Jake,
1: for 100% sure. 100% it should have. The fact yeah. that they had to name drop Shaquille O'Neal as well to get him to agree to it is just more evidence that Jake is not cool. <laughs>
0: He's, he's just, he's into that B-ball. B-ball 24.
1: He is. He is into that (laughs) (laughs) B-ball.
0: Also, uh, this was, so this was, the fact that Rachel sees somebody jump out a building already extremely crazy, but her reaction to that is so underwhelmed. Like in the moment, she's like, oh, we got to save this guy. And then when it's done, she's just sort of like, yeah, whatever. I did it.
1: I think maybe she's in shock from it a little. Yeah? Yeah, that's my guess, because she doesn't really start getting extremely blasé about it until the others are sort of ribbing her about being responsible for the dude.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, after it happens and they're reading the newspaper article, she she calls it a goof.
1: Yeah. And
0: like a challenge, like, oh, I just wanted to see if we could do
1: it. I just saved this dude's life. What a goof. What yeah,
0: a... got you. What a prank.
1: <laughs> we're just it's we're just funning over here, saving lives.
0: <laughs> uh and also, the fact that she calls it a challenge is appropriate because what in God's name how did that work?
1: I have a lot of questions about the bird parachute. Yeah.
0: Five yeah. This is like Monty Python style if you attach five birds to a dude, can they <laughs> can they sky float him into a nearby river
1: (laughs) like the fact that okay i was thinking when i started reading it oh the his clothes are just gonna tear and then rachel said oh yeah and i got around his collarbone with my talons and i'm like (laughs) okay you're, you're probably stuck on pretty good but then the rest of them it described as just grabbing onto parts of his clothing and like that that's not how weight works And there's just,
0: there's just no way that even five large birds of prey attached to one human would be able to slow him down and like, I, okay, I'll I'll allow that they might be able to direct him towards a river if the river was really close by, which it seems like it was, but the idea that they would be able to slow him down enough that the crash into the water wouldn't kill him.
1: I thought about that, too. I actually Googled, can you survive a 50-foot fall into water, but I just got a page about cliff diving. <laughs> okay. So that, that question remains unanswered. Send it to the Mythbusters.
0: Anyway, that was all super crazy. And the fact that Rachel, like, she, she as she's doing it, she's getting annoyed with this dude because he gets stuck in mud at the bottom of the river and can't get up. And she's so annoyed.
1: Right. She's like, oh, which- I got to morph again.
0: Right? To save this dude's life. Why can't he just help himself? That was such a weird perspective to take on this very specific, like, I appreciate if you're in a big battle, you have to be a little bit more pragmatic. But this was like,
1: cold. Well, once again, I think, I think she may have been somewhat in shock about this, because by the end of the book, she very much changes how she relates to this guy's situation
0: of i mean she does free him from the institute but like the dude reported or somebody in the institute reported that the bear said using thought speech because i guess fucking anything goes now animorphs that she was really tired and this is the best she still seemed to be deflecting even though she was doing the right thing
1: yeah that's fair Also, thought speech is like email, and she was just replying all there in the mental hospital. So what the fuck, Rachel?
0: Yeah, that's another thing that comes up in this book that has sort of been low-key a theme. Just the, the fact that mental illness seems to be tying in with having been a controller, or I guess in this dude's case, still kind of a controller.
1: Well, yeah, it's not that the guy is mentally ill as much as he has a mentally ill alien stuck in his head that occasionally takes over for a few seconds.
0: But nobody believes him. Although I feel like a couple of quick x rays would probably clear that up.
1: (sighs) I guess it depends on if Yerks are dense enough to show up in x rays.
0: Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. I, I sort of assume that if you have a hospital, like if you have a lot of controllers embedded in hospitals in general, it must be to sort of keep the medical side from finding Yerks while still being able to get your controller's health care on track?
1: I mean, I just sort of assumed that it was still an attempt to infest patients.
0: Oh, yeah, that could definitely be the case. Regardless, it seems weird to me that they Animorphs keep engaging with mentally ill people and... It's like gaslighting, but the opposite?
1: It's... Yeah, it's very strange, because they do, when they sneak into this, this quote-unquote state mental institution, which, like, I don't think those existed anymore in the 90s. I'm pretty sure those all got shut down.
0: Yes, and then everybody in them went to prisons.
1: Yeah, or just the streets. Thanks. Thanks, St. Regan. Yeah, so they break into this um, mental institution, and... The first person they run into, they're just like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not real. I'm just a figment of your imagination. But can you go get that guy?
0: And the person's like, sure, because they're in an asylum and they are, I guess, have a mental illness that includes hallucination, although not all of them do. It's a
1: weird sort of slapstick uh, television interpretation <laughs> portrayal of mental illness. Also, something that I kind of took note of in this book is that the Animorphs are like super fucking ableist about mental health. For people with PTSD. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. The whole scene where they're waiting outside to infiltrate the Institute and they keep talking about nuts, how they're all nuts and everybody in the Institute is nuts and it's a nut house. And uh, it, the fact that they were using the term nuts, which to me is a weirdly, extremely outdated term, at least now, I don't know, in the 90s, that was a, its own amount of weirdness. 23 to skidoo. That scene. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that they keep basically telling the truth or at least not being at all worried about exposing themselves in front of mentally ill people is troubling. Well,
1: I think as we've seen in this book, uh, in this series, as the books go on, they become increasingly less and less concerned with any sort of like hiding who they are. Rachel morphed in public in the middle of the river there. At the beginning of the book, so why wouldn't she just tell? Like, who's who's gonna believe somebody who's institutionalized?
0: Yeah, the, their their concern for safety and privacy privacy has already been so eroded, and we are not even into the twenties of these books yet.
1: <laughs> oh goodness, it's true.
0: Although to be fair, Visor Three still doesn't know they're human, so but I. There you go.
1: Well, so that raises an interesting point because at the at, right after they save this guy, uh, Marco says that it doesn't matter that Rachel sort of like morphed in front of him because um, no one's going to listen to a guy who just tried to kill himself. But uh, the Yerks will listen to that guy, Marco. The Yerks will listen yeah. to that guy when they're like, yeah, this little girl turned into a dolphin. And they'll be like, hmm. Huh, that's weird. Of course, by the time it bubbles up to Visser 3, he'll just be like, you fools, they're obviously Andalites, so...
0: Yeah, that's true. The the yurks that know this dude, which they all do, because he is a controller. Mm-hmm. The ones who know of them are going to hear that and be like, "Yeah, we know. Everybody know. Everybody who works for Vizer Three knows they're humans.
1: Don't tell Vizer Three; he'll kill you." There is a pretty funny scene when they're sneaking into this mental institution, uh, where they get attacked by a a, a rancho, a tarantula. <laughs> In <laughs> yeah. in a box of bananas, and then Tobias eats it. He knows ranchos are good eaten. <laughs> Do you think that... Tobias prefers cool ranchos or cooler ranchos? <laughs>
0: <sighs> oh, Brent, 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 Brent. Brent. I, I mean, probably the cool ranchos. I ox. imagine, yeah, yeah, they're the better of the two. Just terrible.
1: So this situation with the maple ginger, sorry, instant, instant maple ginger oatmeal. Instant
0: maple ginger oatmeal. Yeah, instant
1: maple ginger oatmeal, uh, addicted yerks. This situation's fucking bleak.
0: Yeah, it's it's another one of those. It's kind of like the Kendrona Ray pool that they destroyed or the Kendrona Sun. It, it's you're choosing to kill off some people, probably actual humans, Uh, In order to deal a blow, this one's a little bit more messy, but also direct.
1: Yeah, the thing is, this one guy is probably fine while institutionalized, but the Yerks are not going to let a bunch of other controllers get institutionalized and start talking about the alien living in their head, because once all these people start having the same story, someone will notice and look into it.
0: And and I assume that, so they they also run across a relatively young controller in, once they get down to the pool, who has a container of this instant maple ginger oatmeal <laughs> that she took down to the pool with her for some reason. It's just
1: Raisin brand man! I swear!
0: Give it back! And the dude opens it and says, there's no raisins in here. And then they <laughs> and then fucking drag her off.
1: Send it to the contraband <laughs> locker because the Yurk pool is run like a high school.
0: It's so funny. Oh my god, I forgot why I mentioned that. Other than it was really funny. Like the the Yurks know, and I I assume that I assume that that girl is just gonna get killed. Like I I they can't pull the Yurk out, probably. Because it seems to be insane now, it, or it's only a matter of time until it goes insane.
1: I would think that if Viscer 3 morphs into that yerk eating thing, it could suck the yerk out and then they could reuse the controller. But let's be real, they don't give enough of a shit about any individual controller. <laughs> and Viscer 3 has already shown that he's sort of a poser about cannibalism.
0: Yeah, that's true. He has all these opportunities, but you know, he never bites down. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. He, he gets axe all up in his mouth and then just lets it sit there.
0: He disgusts me. His unwillingness to commit the cannibalism he talks so much about disgusts me. He wishes
1: he was his brother.
0: <laughs> so, I, it just seems like if this is a big enough problem, eventually people are going to go missing. But I guess if they also control the news outlets and the cops... Maybe nobody's going to give a shit if a lot of people go missing. That just seems like such the plot of of a movie.
1: Man, they've done battle with so many human controllers that I guarantee you the missing person's statistics for the city they live in are off the fucking rails already.
0: Yeah, you make a great,
1: horrible point. Because they do not make sure that these people are alive still.
0: No, no the number, that's probably why they have control of the hospitals, because the number of bare-limb amputees <laughs> is probably outrageous. Right. And how do you cover that up? Wild
1: animal attacks are up, up, up this year. <laughs> so the first time they try to sneak into the Yerk pool, um, they run into, the Yerks got smart, they hijacked some Andalite technology. It's a,
0: The Gleet biofilter. Yes, filter. the
1: Gleet biofilter uh, mm-hmm. that will just incinerate anything that is not does not have its DNA coded into it, because I guess remote DNA scans, that, that sort of tracks for andalite tech, right? So they, they almost get ganked as flies in this McDonald's deep freeze by the Gleet biofilter and then have to figure out an alternate way to get in. I was 100% certain that Cassie was going to suggest morphine human controllers to walk right oh, through, uh, but then she she suggested moles. Cassie's not quite there yet. She's getting there. She's getting there.
0: I She's so every book, she gets a little step closer. Yeah, I also thought that they were just going to do that. But then I I wasn't certain, like, will the biofilters pick up if there's no Yurk DNA as well? Like, how does that even work?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure.
0: And it seems like maybe there could be a crossover with like Eric and the Chi, but... Uh... Oh, man! They, yeah, they totally whiffed and didn't do that. They just went with moles, which is good, I guess. But I wonder
1: how the Chi get around that.
0: That's a great question, since they don't have human DNA. They don't have any
1: DNA, I don't think.
0: Well, if you if they get scanned, the Yerks will still pop up because they've still got the Yerks inside them. Plot hole. Big old plot hole. Maybe it
1: is just scanning for the Yurk DNA.
0: Maybe.
1: It doesn't matter what controller they're in.
0: Yeah, that might be the case, because it did say that it it scans specific DNA, like pre-programmed specific person Mm -hmm. DNA. Yeah, that could be the case. Anyway, they, they have no shortage of other tragic things to discuss. Yeah.
1: I was gonna say that this is the book, though, where Cassie finally admits that she can't exactly tell the difference between right and wrong anymore.
0: That's an important moment. It is a very
1: big deal, because it's been obvious for books, for books now.
0: Yeah, when they're, and, and I mean, I think they make good points. I'm not totally, I'm, I'm not surprised that Rachel and Marco are both like, nah, let's do it. This is a war. Let's do it. Let's double down. And the rest of them are sort of like, oh, I don't know. Uh, but the fact that Cassie didn't know is a, that's yeah, a big she's one. Like,
1: I'm just not sure about the use of chemical weapons against our enemies.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't know one way or the other if that's a good thing. I mean, their main concern seems to be the fact that if you get a Yurk addicted to the substance which can replace the Kondrona rays, they'll just go crazy and be in the person's brain forever. And that's, I mean, I feel like in the short term, that is really bad. In the long term, that seems manageable.
1: Yeah, I think... There's enough controllers that if you manage to get them all infected with this, uh, society could adapt to this new widespread disability.
0: Yeah, it, it seems like, I guess we don't know how bad the outbursts are or how often the controllers, I, I guess we can't really call them controllers, the, the semi-controllers have control Like how how much control they have or if if the year is it like more of a battle? It, It didn't seem like it was that bad.
1: Yeah, the guy who tried to kill himself, it seemed like it was limited to just verbal outbursts like a Tourette's type of thing. And we already we already have people with Tourette's that get along just fine.
0: Yeah, it doesn't seem like once everybody knows they're aliens, and that this is a threat, it doesn't seem like that's all that bad.
1: Of course, I guess what it comes down to is if they don't entirely succeed, and they only get a few people, and then the Yerks are just likely to murder the hosts.
0: And I guess you have you also have the issue of a lot of these controllers seem to be once they are freed, suffering from their own mental illness. Uh, and I, I can imagine if you are semi freed, but not really freed, that has its own emotional and mental complications.
1: Yeah, I mean, I personally, I would think it would far beat being a full controller if that was your choice. But yeah, I'm I'm not surprised that the people who managed to escape during the famine, the Candrona famine, have lingering issues.
0: Yeah, and the fact that this all downstreams from that event, I think it's also really interesting just from a plot slash series structure that I- I- KA is doing a great job of finding ways for that to keep affecting the downstream of the events which i really appreciate
1: yeah yeah like um this book had a callback to the fact that rachel's house is still not uh, (laughs) completely undestroyed yet
0: (laughs) yeah from that time that she morphed an elephant and broke through one of the layers of her house
1: so after they fail they they to to get in as flies which side note how were they going to get the oatmeal in there they didn't have the oatmeal with them
0: yeah, and it seems like pretty much any time they infiltrate, they. whatever, however they infiltrated gets shut down.
1: They're such a fucking gaming party because they're like, well, we know how to get in there. Let's go.
0: Yeah, let's just go for it. We'll figure it out.
1: Yeah, we'll play it by ear.
0: Also, the, the fact that, okay, the fact that this isn't a McDonald's already <laughs> already crazy because all of the people who work at that McDonald's have to be controllers, because the code phrase to get in is, I'd like a happy meal with extra happy. Uh, It's first so creepy, so creepy. And also, everybody who works at the McDonald's has to be a controller. And that blows.
1: Oh my god, seriously, those people have to put up with enough.
0: Yeah, they have to put up with regular humans and also aliens. Those poor, poor
1: workers. I guess at least the aliens never yell at you about giving them the wrong amount of McNuggets.
0: I mean, one would hope. One would hope they, have, they would have more empathy than just regular humans.
1: Except the Visser.
0: Except for Visser. <laughs> he always complains about the pickles on his sandwich.
1: He decapitates you because of the pickles on his sandwich.
0: You, you ask a good question. How are they planning on getting the oatmeal down there? It, they seem to never really have a plan for how they're going to get the oatmeal in.
1: At least with the moles, it seemed pretty clear that they were going to dig this tunnel and then, like, haul the oatmeal down it and dump it out of a hole in the ceiling into the earth pool.
0: I mean, I don't think that plan was great at any point either. Like, they clearly didn't do the basic math, and they're teenagers, so I appreciate why they were not fully (laughs) prepared for the intricacies of the earth's layers. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, when they get down to that cave... And with all the bats, I appreciate that they they did not realize that they were flying into the pool itself. They thought they were finding an exit, so that makes more sense.
1: You have to admit that for their plans, this is definitely near the top of the heap.
0: Yeah, which is why it's so extra tragic that it still goes horribly fucking wrong.
1: Yeah, so it turns out that in addition to the Gleet biofilters, the Yerks now have hunter drones flying around just shooting any animal that happens to make it into the yerk pool.
0: Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, they don't they don't have to know that there're bats nearby. They just have to shoot any animal that gets through. I mean, that 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 tracks.
1: Of course, it does have the side effect of desensitizing the yerks in the pool to random animals just falling in.
0: That was super weird. Rachel gets one of her wings f- blown off and then lands in the pool and it's just sort of like on a Yurk lazy river.
1: She gets it blown off shielding Tobias.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 and then she's just like hanging out in the Yurk pool. And she asks, she, asks, she asks a really good question, which is how do the Yurks find their way back to their specific hosts? Because they can't seem to see or have really any senses in this form.
1: Right, we, we do learn that they have mouths, or Ooh. osmosis nodes, uh, as Axe calls them. <laughs>
0: Starring Chris Rock. Oof, oof. <laughs> it, it raises a really good question about how they know, like, is, do they have some sort of an eco-location or some sort of chemical trace that's
1: left on their hosts? I'm hoping that Kay Applegate will explain this in future books, because it's something I'm very interested in now.
0: Me too. I'm hoping it becomes an important plot point uh, later on.
1: Still insane to me that Rachel manages to demorph in the Yurk Pool uh, without, like, nobody noticing.
0: Yeah. And she's under, I think she's under the walkway where yeah, the they bring pier. the the hosts to get rehosted. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's a crazy plan. And the fact that it worked is even crazier.
1: It is. It is.
0: And the fact that she just sort of, like leaves like she turns into an ant and leaves and ends up in a storeroom and finds a bunch of dracon beans.
1: yeah there's a lot of deus ex machina going on in in this book
0: i really like that she opens it and she's like oh cool guns i'm gonna take one of these
1: guns <laughs> that's such a rachel reaction though <laughs> it
0: really was yeah and then she proceeds to shoot a bunch of people which is also very rachel
1: god and, and possibly the most Rachel thing she does in this entire book, which is check the brand on the blazer that she steals off of one of the human controllers that she stuns <laughs> to make sure that it's acceptable to be seen in.
0: Yeah, that was so that was so spectacular, not only as a general Rachel moment, but also extending the fact that she's so clearly deflecting like she doesn't seem to be really engaging with a lot of the things that happen in this book.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's true. She is very clearly holding herself at a distance from everything that's happening around her.
0: Yeah. And I mean, for the for the best, because it's all pretty rough.
1: Yeah, that's fair. So now we get to, honestly, the thing that bothered me the most about this book. Yeah. So she puts on this blazer and then says that she slips the dracon beam in the pocket. How? How does a <laughs> dracon beam sized for a Hork-Bajir hand Fit in a human blazer pocket, and what does it say about me that that is the part breaking my suspension of disbelief at this book? Way more than bird parachute.
0: (laughs) I mean, yeah, these we do not get a good sense of how big these guns are because she can use it, she can quick draw it and fire without much trouble. But also Marco, as a gorilla, uses it later, and that's that is a hand size discrepancy that is not fully explained.
1: Well, and she says she has to use her middle finger to reach the trigger. So obviously it's large, and like, I've worn a blazer, those pockets aren't that big.
0: No, they're definitely not gun-sized.
1: Some sort of DKNY cargo blazer?
0: (laughs) I mean, that would be very 90s.
1: (laughs) Okay, shit. All right, I rescind my complaint. It is canonically now a DKNY cargo blazer. Because it is peak 90s.
0: Yeah, that whole sequence where she's just like wearing shoes and a blazer and I guess a leotard walking around the Kendrona pools being like, oh, yeah, uh, humans are the worst. Visor 3. <laughs> oh, that guy. Just having like water cooler talks with all of the other yurks that are down there is so
1: weird. It's bizarre.
0: Yeah, I really liked the judge that she talked to, who was like, "Oh, I would just, I would love to stay around and see Visor Three and be near, be be near that whole situation." But I gotta go. I've got a case. So, good luck. I thought that was great.
1: And Rachel can immediately tell, like, "Yeah, okay, so this person rightly does not want to be around when Visor Three shows up."
0: <laughs> and she, I, and I have to assume that there is some sort of hierarchy based on what morph. Or what host you have. So if you're high enough up to get uh, a judge, you're probably pretty high up in
1: the Yurk infrastructure as well. You are definitely higher up than whatever sucker got stuck in Tom. Oh my
0: god. Yeah, whatever pissant Yurk has to deal with Tom.
1: (laughs) (sighs) High school.
0: So the fact that Rachel is just kind of wandering around... She keeps shooting people and then blaming other people and uh, it's all so weird.
1: It's like a dissociative episode when I was reading this. I really was wondering what what I must have taken. What's <laughs> happening?
0: Yeah, it's it's so it's so and part of it is cuz I don't have a great visual mind's eye visual of what the Kendrona pools look like. But it just seems like it's a big old I'm picturing like a gym pool in like a really nice, fancy, large deluxe gym. And she's just sort of walking around being like, oh, yep, just hanging out. Uh, I did my Kendrona Ray thing and now I'm just here. <laughs> I don't know. That was super weird. Also, they go into battle morphs. Cassie is still using a wolf as her battle morph.
1: Oh, my God. I think about this every time they go into battle mode. Because it's a wolf every time. You'd think she would have found something better by now.
0: Yeah, and it's not like I, as a human, could fist fight a wolf, but it's just when you're fighting the things that they're fighting, a wolf doesn't seem like it's gonna be able
1: to do shit. Let's see, uh, gorilla, grizzly bear, tiger, and wolf. Yeah, it's just no good.
0: Yeah, it really seems like maybe Cassie is not getting a better battle morph because she doesn't want to be like decapitating humans and stuff.
1: Maybe. Maybe she's just like always feels like at least my battle morph is better than Tobias.
0: (laughs) poor, Poor Tobias. I mean, I don't think Tobias has got a battle morph either, does he?
1: It's always been Red-Tailed Hawk. 100% of the time, every time they are in a fight, he is Red-Tailed Hawk.
0: And that seems also like a cop-out. I know Tobias and Cassie are our dreamiest members of the group and the least likely to want to slaughter something, but that it just seems like they're hurting the team composition.
1: I mean, Tobias has become a hunter. He understands killing to live.
0: Right. He ate a tarantula in this one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he snacked down on a cool rancho.
0: (laughs) And then told everybody how it was. Also, Tobias still doesn't have a cockroach morph. And that's, he could get a cockroach morph in minutes if he wanted to.
1: Why did he not acquire a tarantula morph?
0: That's a great question. That seems very useful.
1: He's just like, no, I'm gonna have a snack.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm just gonna eat this thing. Maybe he has a thing where he doesn't want to morph anything he eats. Which is May- not an excuse, but still.
1: Yeah, I mean, Mister Three doesn't care.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's true, but he's not—he's no kind of role model. I guess none of the other ones ever have yet morphed like cows or anything that they would be likely to eat. So maybe that's just a, a roadblock for them. Trout. Oh, that's right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, then I just don't know, Brent. Tobias is just not pulling his weight on the team.
1: Maybe he's afraid that he'll be allergic to whatever morph he acquires, and unlike Rachel, who just destroyed her house, he will fall like 60 stories because he sneezes and turns into an elephant or whatever while he's (laughs) riding a sick thermal. That seems like a legit concern to me, I gotta say.
0: I'm I'm just picturing i was just picturing a red-tailed hawk flying and then starting to lose altitude. And you look and there's like a, a, a hammerhead shark growing out of its back. Yes. <laughs> that Yeah, that would suck. You make a good point.
1: I wonder if morphine allergy is going to come back in any of the books.
0: It felt like kind of a one-off thing, but I do hope it comes back. And I hope it comes back after one of them morphs a human and they're allergic to that human. And then they grow another human.
1: Oh. God, that's dark.
0: Yeah, that's what I want, Brent. It's a dark series, and that's what I want from it.
1: All right, cool. So we were talking about Rachel's emotional state earlier, and she seems most present when she is a mole digging that tunnel because the whole time she's freaking out about how she's just entombed in the earth.
0: Yeah, the buried alive angle is one we have not seen yet.
1: Yeah, I wasn't aware that Rachel... Had quite that level of discomfort around uh, claustrophobic spaces.
0: Yeah, she does seem. Yeah, she does seem almost claustrophobic, and I, I'm wondering if that's not something that's kind of downstream from her experience in the burning building, because she was trapped in that building as it was coming down around her. So I'm wondering if there's not if that's not maybe something that she didn't used to have a fear of, but now does.
1: It could also be residual trauma from the ant massacre. Oh, yeah. Uh, or I'm, even the termite situation.
0: That Yeah, yeah, you're right. There's actually about eight things that this could be caused by <laughs> because of their horrible, brutal lives.
1: God, everything is just so not great for them. She yeah. spends a, a few paragraphs... Um, really concerned when when they're going they hit the the rock layer and uh, above the bat cave and they're like trying to squeeze through between two rock plates into that she spends a couple paragraphs worrying about if she has to morph back like what would happen would i become one with the rock rachel's obviously never read enigma of Amagara fault because (laughs) we know how it would turn out if that crack was made for her.
0: That's true. Uh, maybe the only thing more traumatic than the Animorphs book is the work of Junji Ito. <laughs> 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 yeah, she does seem really preoccupied with the the being buried alive thing. And then the book, of course, ends with that happening because that's the kind of lives the Animorphs live.
1: Yes, she has to bring that entrance to the Yerkpool Pool down on their heads. And we're not even sure which entrance it is. I thought it was... They were backing up a staircase at the end, keeping the Dracon trained on the giant <laughs> blue barrels of oatmeal floating in the yerk pool.
0: Which they do blow up and poison slash drug the whole pool with.
1: Yeah, although as as the Visser points out, uh, it'll only affect uh, like half the yerks there, so that's fine.
0: Yeah, so about 500 yerks, he says.
1: So anything else you wanted to talk about?
0: Oh, I wanted to mention what Hecate was up to. Oh, yeah.
1: We need a Hecate yeah. update.
0: Yeah. So this book actually aligned so closely with the the things that we've been saying Hecate's been doing up to this point, which is uh, mostly gathering info on uh, previous controllers who are somehow free. And I assume since this oatmeal thing is as big enough threat as the Yurks make it out to be, there's got to be. There's got to be more people who are living with yurks in their heads but who are no longer controlled so I think in this book Hecate has been organizing all of these people together um, I think she's probably known about this oatmeal thing for a while but doesn't have a lot of resources to make it an attack angle
1: I mean she could maybe like hack into one of the manufacturing facilities and cause a bunch of instant ginger maple oatmeal to get mislabeled as something else, but
0: Oh so people think they're getting peaches and cream, but they're really getting maple ginger?
1: Uh-huh, uh-huh. Just sneak attack some yurks. That's not gonna do that much damage though, I don't think.
0: Uh, I imagine no... a lot of yurks
1: are just off oatmeal entirely right now.
0: I would guess so. You don't want you don't want your york friends knowing you're on the oats at all. <laughs> But there's gotta be there's gotta be some humans who are health, heart healthy and and need those good oats in the morning.
1: Your Nancy Reagan says just say no to oatmeal. <laughs> Winners don't do oatmeal.
0: <laughs> so that's what Hecate's up to. I, I assume she uh, I think she tracks down George the the guy who tried to commit suicide after he escapes. She's probably keeping an eye on him. Gonna gonna rope him into the fold. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's a great question. What is George Edelman's hacker, anamorph, gorilla handle?
1: I don't think George Edelman is a hacker.
0: I don't think he is either, but what else is he gonna do to help Hecate?
1: He's going to participate in the support group with all of the former controllers that she's been recruiting, and this oatmeal thing definitely has to be helping her recruitment drive, and I have to imagine. That like a big part of what Hecate's doing, because she doesn't have a lot of weapons against the Yerks that aren't going to obviously out her.
0: Right.
1: Is organizing these people into support groups for each other.
0: I like that. And and actually, so George was in a high rise in some t- somewhere downtown, some big city. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does like finances or something along those lines. So uh, maybe he has some expertise he can lend.
1: Yeah, possibly.
0: Is there anything else we wanted to cover?
1: Just that the, they get to clown on Axe again about falling asleep in alien class.
0: <laughs> yeah, because he, he remembers vaguely that the Yerks have mouths. Sorry, osmosis nodes.
1: <laughs>
0: but he doesn't remember much more, which is fucking great, Axe.
1: Yeah, super helpful. Super helpful. Well, that'll probably do it for this week, then. Thanks for listening to Fandalites. Thanks to Dustin O'Dell for the use of our intro and outro music. Find us on... Twitter at Fandalites, on Tumblr .tumblr Fandalites.tumblr.com Email us at Fandalites at Gmail Uh, Next week, we will be reading book 18 The Decision. It's
0: an Axe POV.
1: Yeah, which is uh, I'm looking forward to it. That's gonna be pretty good, I think. (laughs)
0: Look forward to some more alien lingo that Brent and I won't remember.
1: Look forward to (laughs) look forward to some more Brent cosplaying an Andalite.
0: I don't know how you keep ending up with Axe's books, but I'm happy every time.
1: <laughs> Alright, so we'll see you next time, folks, and remember nostalgia is a drug.